are listening to Manufactured with Kim von der Weert and Jessie Lee, a podcast about sustainability and the making of fashion. Join us every week in conversation with the people who manufacture what we wear. This episode is a product of our collaboration with Transformers Foundation. Transformers Foundation is the unified voice representing the dynamic industry and its ideas for positive change. It was founded to provide a thus far missing platform to the jeans and dynamic supply chain, and a central point of contact for consumers, brands, NGOs, and media who want to learn more about ethics and sustainable innovation in dynamic industry. To find out more about Transformers, check out the links we've put in the show notes. Today we talk to Sanjeev Bal. Founder and chief executive of Setex, a Vietnam-based jeans manufacturer and a certified B Corp that counts Everlane, Madwell, J Crew, Target, and G Star Row among its clients, Setex makes six million garments per year, has four thousand staff, four factories in Vietnam, and one in Los Angeles. Setex is also a founding member of Transformers Foundation. And while there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the innovation Setex has undertaken. Like its zero discharge facility that recycles ninety eight percent of all its water and evaporates the other two percent, or the fact that the pre consumer waste generated from its denim coloring and distressing processes are mixed with concrete to form building blocks, or its use of solar power and biomass energy, these are just a few of the innovations Cytex is taking on. But our chat today focuses on something a little bit different: inclusivity. Sanjeev starts by sharing a bit about his personal journey. How did he get into the apparel manufacturing business? Why Vietnam? He shares his reservations about the term sustainability and makes a case for using the term intersectional environmentalism instead. We also asked how he copes with situations where short-term profit objectives might compromise social and environmental goals. His response: We have to flip the question. The question isn't whether profitability compromises other goals, but how much profitability do we really need? Which brings us back to inclusivity and Cytex's Recut project. Recut is an offshoot of Cytex. It describes itself as a movement to create jobs and equal opportunities for people with different abilities. Recut products are all made with scraps and excess fabrics coming from Cytex factories. In part one of this conversation, Sanjeev shares why he made Recut its own brand, as opposed to incorporating it into the manufacturing work Cytex already does. In part two, we get into the details: how is production set up? How does this differ to conventional apparel manufacturing contexts? Who buys Recut products, and how has Sanjeev managed to connect with buyers who value what he's doing as well as being willing to pay for it? And finally. What would it take to see more projects like Recut coming out of the apparel manufacturing world? And one last quick announcement: we've teamed up with Transformers Foundation on a couple of live panel discussions for suppliers by suppliers. Our goal to cross pollinate between the denim supply chain and supply chains in the rest of the apparel industry. 
The first panel discussion is on Tuesday, the 13th of April, and is all about vertical integration. As supply chains came to a screeching halt last year, consolidation and vertical integration became the industry's latest buzzwords. But these are ambiguous terms that can mean a lot of different things. How and why do suppliers at various tiers decide which parts of the production process they're actually going to do? And how does this shape approaches to sustainability? The panel is free and open to the public. Be sure to register via the link on our homepage at www.manufacturedpodcast.com. If you are on Instagram, please follow us to grow the conversation at manufactured underscore podcast. Or sign up to our weekly newsletter instead on our website, www.manufacturedpodcast.com to find out what we're reading, what we're thinking, and what we're wishing. If you'd like to support us financially, you can make a Patreon donation for our homepage. And finally, don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes and hit subscribe. I'm, I'm really curious on a personal level, why you started Cytex? My God, that's a million dollar question. <laughs> you ask big ones, right? Um, well, yeah, so let's let's go to ground zero. So I was born in India, brought up in India, had a wonderful experience in India. Love India for the spirituality, hospitality, friends, family, but kind of shy of the bureaucracy and the red tape and everything else that goes with that. So I felt I was taking 10 steps forward and 30 backwards. Um, so I decided to um, to move from uh, from India to Hong Kong, and that's where I set up a global sourcing kind of an organization. It became global over the years, but uh, Hong Kong was the first step to to create um, a simple model of manufacturing, which did not involve me to set up a factory, but uh, you know, I just relied on. Uh, capabilities, inherent capabilities that were built into existing manufacturing facilities. So you went actually from sourcing to, to deciding to, to do the manufacturing your, yourself. Oh, if your question is uh, Cytex, the manufacturing business. Mm. So yeah, sourcing started in the late 90s and it grew. It's a blur. And it grew pretty fast. And uh, we found ourselves in operating nine countries. Vietnam was country number nine. The other countries were places like China, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Mauritius, Madagascar, Jordan, Egypt. That's eight of them. And uh, like I said, Vietnam turned out to be country number nine. So again, you know, through all my travels, there were a couple of things that stood out. One was um, inequality and injustice. Somehow, I just felt that I was glaring at a system which just reeked of modern-day slavery. And that just did not sit well. So that's what prompted you to start doing the manufacturing yourself? You know, when we talk about justice, it's like, it's like a scale, right, which tilts on both sides. That's what started making me think of impact. And I realized that impact could be positive and negative. And so long, you know, we... we advertently or inadvertently, we do create negative impact. So long as the positive impacts weigh heavier than the negative impacts, you know, the net outcome was something which I was thinking about because I, you know, I saw a lot of negative impact um, that factories continue to create. Um, 
unfortunately, because there was no real rule book, right? So it was more about your moral compass. But, and that's the second thing, the injustice towards the environment, the injustice that we were creating for our future generations, you know, all, all those become, you know, when you, when you start putting those two together, injustice and inequality, it stirs up a completely different conversation inside you. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we have to sleep with ourselves. What am, you know, why am I here? What am I doing this for and why? And is there another way to do this? So I guess all those questions push me really hard to set up Cytex and manufacturing system in Vietnam. And again, you know, Vietnam was, it checked the box on several fronts. Women were respected and had a place in society. You couldn't get away talking to them the way I'd seen a lot of um, people talk to women in some other countries. I don't want to name those countries, but so I think that was refreshing. And Vietnam was healing, right? That was the point in time where um, I thought it was the best point in time to contribute and be part of the healing process. So, so mainly, again, just to make this long story short, it was that you know, you, it, it was that propeller, that catalyst, of um, which made me um, pushed me to 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 work towards a brand new system, which was not built on some reckless foundations of inequality and injustice. So Cytex today, you have, I think, four factories in Vietnam, is that right? And one in Los Angeles. And could you just give us a sense of what the company is today and, and the types sure. of products that you're doing and the scale? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's so we've built this company brick by brick like a Lego block. So foundationally, we kind of built it more on on trying to do the right thing. There wasn't an Excel sheet, but there definitely was a moral compass, right? And when you when you operate on that fundamental, the road is really steep and difficult. It's not it's not it's not an easy path. So we did have a vision. And I got to tell you, visions keep on maturing. And the maturity over the years has come through full circle. So 2021 is, a, is really the first year that Cytex can be considered to be a unique circular manufacturing system. And why do I say it's a circular manufacturing system? So we've gone from seat to shelf and beyond. That's the good news. So at the top of the pyramid, we have built up three constructive partnerships with cotton farms, one with a carbon positive cotton farm, one with a carbon neutral Pima Supima cotton farm, and the other with a bunch of organic farmers. At the back end, I think we've taken care of the material in the most plausible ways you know, with, with uh, modern day technology. When I asked you about what your what Cytex does now, the way that you um, kind of describe that is 
is very interesting, I think, because a lot of the manufacturers we talk to will say, well, this is where we operate. This is how many factories we have. This is how many workers we have. This is the types of products that we do. Whereas you've really sort of tried to sort of, I, I think if I interpret it correctly anyway, tried to paint a picture of the whole ecosystem. And so that brings me to why you prefer the term intersectional environmentalism to the word sustainability. That word sustainability means means a lot. And I'm not going to rubbish it the way it's been rubbished or used or to everybody's advantage, whichever way they wanted to. You know, it's, it's, it's like, I always look at it like the six blind men of Hindustan who went to meet an elephant. All of them were blind. I've talked about it in the past. <laughs> but it's as ridiculous as that, right? Everybody tries to make something out of this uh, this whole huge, massive concept um, and, and give it a contorted shape, size, and form. And I don't want to be part of that conversation because it's disturbing that such a simple thing has become so complicated. Um, in real simplicity, I think it's our responsibility to have inherited on one side a planet which houses, you know what, seven odd billion people. It's a shared responsibility. And we are, I repeat, we are accountable to leave this in a much better condition for our future generations. That for me is pure, simple sustainability. Now, you can you can talk about resources and sustainability, call it water and energy and you know whatever. But listen, the this planet as a whole has has to be nurtured. Why? Because it also houses people. So the intersection of people and planet is super important to be to be addressed and and you know not and, and, and problems to be solved at larger scales than just keep on tweaking that word sustainability to your advantage. So what we think is is again, you know, I mean, impact is a big word. Everybody uses it, but not that I don't have other words. I prefer talking more about that drop in the ocean. Yeah. And there's so much, if you look at it on the intersectional front, there's so much impact to be, to be created. Um, especially when it, when, when, when we look at convergence, there is a point where both meet. And that sweet spot, I'm not going to call it the Holy Grail, but that sweet spot is where we bring people and the planet holistically together. Otherwise, it's a conversation. Sustainability will continue to be a conversation and everybody's going to talk about what good they did, right? But what is, what is the legacy you're going to leave? I think that's a bigger question. How, how Cytex started and the... Uh, I don't want to say philosophical ideas behind uh, Cytex, but very strongly, there are two words started very strongly in from the beginning of Cytex cited and until now. Those words are injustice and um, inequality and intersection. We need to take the shared responsibility we have to this uh, planet, to the environment. 
I was wondering, I think, I suppose there are several indicators to form this consideration. And then I was wondering if profitable, profitability is one of those indicators. I'm not going to skirt the issue. Um, if you don't make profit, yeah, you just cannot, you just cannot uh, fuel your social and environmental investments. Um, see, money is the common denominator. Unfortunately, whether we like it or not. So, what is profitability, and how much profitability? And is it is it? Are you supposed to live with wanton greed and just be reckless in that process? I'm talking about the far end of the spectrum, right? Or is there a is there a is there a meeting point? Is there a middle point, right? And I'm an advocate for the middle point, where Maybe you make a little less than your neighbor, right? But you invest more into long-term value creation. So if you if you just go after the low-hanging fruit, it becomes a habit. And sometimes, you know, we are we are humans. We are create we are creatures of habit. And once the habit sets in, and then then you know you start looking at uh, your business, probably with you know, with with a with a single dimensional approach. If you really need to operate with a three dimensional approach, that's how B Corps generally operate. Where with every decision, you 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 have to look at it um, in three ways. Will this decision generate profit? Yes, no. Will this decision create simultaneously? Will it create some positive environmental impact? Yes, no. Will this decision create some positive social impact? Yes, no. Generally, when we move forward, we try and balance these three things to ensure that it's not just, you know, single-minded or single-dimensional approach. So you get you get cornered and you get pushed into a situation which leads to compromise. So I would say there is a compromise, but generally the compromise is more towards profitability. Like, okay, we'll make two points less here. But, you know, who knows? Maybe in 10 years we'll we'll profit from, you know, due to our social and environmental footprint and impact. And that, that value you, 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 you can't decipher. It's not a stock market. And I, I suppose being a registered B Corp really holds you accountable to that in the sense that you are legally required to consider the impact of your decisions on workers, on, of course, your customers, on your supply chain, your raw material suppliers, your community, and, of course, the environment. I want to switch gears and talk about ReCut. Can you just give us a bit of context about what ReCut is? Yeah, sure. There's uh, there's a precursor to that. Allow me to um, to walk you through that. So, you know, we were talking about social impact, environmental impact, and so on and so forth, right? So when we started way back, we started building a social practice by by stepping out of our comfort zone and stepping outside a white picket fence. So we took a small percentage of our top-line revenue and we started investing into communities. And the minute we started looking at what to invest in, through a lot of deliberation and brainstorming, we, we figured out 
that we had to give equal opportunity. You know, it comes from that injustice philosophy. And we we push the the limits of injustice and inequality. So if you look at if you look at the way the human population is constructed, there are a lot of people with abilities and there are a lot of people with different abilities. So we focused more on people with different abilities. And we found ourselves nurturing close to about a thousand young kids uh, in four different orphanages. I don't want to, you know, get into the details, but um, that's where it really started. Over a period in time, you know, we 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 learned um, it's sensitive, so we had to we had to take our time, and we you know it's a it's a very gradual shift. So about six seven years ago, we made our first move. We hired a couple of um, you know young adults because we were confronted with a challenge then. What happens to these kids when they turn 18? Where do they go? And how do you mainstream them? And, um, you know, I mean, how do you give them equal dignity, respect, um, like anybody else? So we, we got four or five of them first, you know, inducted into Cytex. You know, there's a young boy who's still with us for the, I would say, at least 10 years now, who, you know, he's got a physical deformity, unfortunately. But he's amazing. He works in a logistics department and he's top class today. Um, and we, we, you know, we brought on board a couple of young girls who unfortunately had impairment of speech and hearing. We trained them to be sewing operators today and they've been around for seven, ten years now. They're top class sample operators and they live with equal dignity, respect, pay, you know, all that. And we were really we were really happy with that outcome. And during the pandemic, we said, okay, this is the right time to rev it up and build, you know, something that would be another, you know, theory of change or a hypothesis that we had to prove that people with different abilities were as good and uh, could be integrated into, um, into our social fabric and structure without without being singled out, right? As we gradually started learning more, we found out that close to 15% of the world's population is embedded with people with different abilities. Now, if you add on top of that, you know, people on the spectrum and so on and so forth, can you imagine one and a half billion people on this planet uh, could be probably socially ostracized, not included, swept under the carpet and would not have, you know, forget about equal respect, but not even the ability to have equal pay, right? And to live a normal life. So, listen, I'm, a, I'm, I'm part of the conversation and, you know, I participate vigorously when it comes to inclusivity that we all talk about today of race, color, gender, size, etc. Unfortunately, that is a white picket fence. That's a boundary that we've all drawn. And I, and I wanted to step outside the boundary and also include people with different abilities. And I know I'll get confronted by being an idealist and, uh, you know, how does it work and what's the proof of concepts? So I didn't want to get involved in all those conversations, so we just went and did it. And we committed that we would have close to, if not 
but nothing less than a thousand young adults to be uh, to be part of the Cytex ecosystem by 2025. We've made some some decent progress. We have about a hundred young adults, um, you know, working with all the values that we, we we talked about, which included, like I said, equal pay, respect, and dignity. Um, and that that was also recognized by Reuters. Reuters, um, they kind of awarded, not kind of, they did award WeCut as the most diverse and inclusive organization on the planet. So that was a great shot in the arm, and that is a huge motivator to move this movement forward. And it's led to several opportunities on the business front to create a unique system that would, in my opinion, demonstrate profitability. And once we have demonstrated profitability over a period in time, then I think it's then I think we've done a job to be that catalyst to push that theory of change, that inclusivity is way beyond the conversations that we have today. What I'm trying to understand is you could have, I mean, Recut, as I understand it, is 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 its own line of products within Cytex that is made by staff that are differently abled. And you could have had all of those same staff without also creating Recut. So was creating Recut about sort of making this statement about profitability? Was that sort of the intention in terms of, of uh, I don't want to say singling singling them out, but but you know what I mean. Was that was that the goal to sort of make a a statement about to the world that hey this this works? It's not a statement; it's a celebration. Mm. You know, statements are um, are motivated. Celebrations are not. Mm. So I think it's a celebration, recognition, and they don't have to hide behind a Cytex curtain. They deserve their own space. They deserve um, the recognition. Um, they don't. They don't need sympathy. It's not a sympathetic vote. There's no demand on that. I think. I think the recognition. Listen. Once you're part of a movement, and you know you have that voice, right? It's a very powerful tool for these young adults. And for them to be recognized globally is 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 really important. I, I you know otherwise the conversation would be around Cytex. It'll be Cytex this and Cytex that, and Cytex mm-hmm. has you know so. Again, you know then you know what would happen is they would be swept under the Cytex carpet, and I did not want that. You know, I wanted them to be out up in the forefront, to be proud, um, to be accepted, embraced, and celebrated. And on that note, we're going to hit pause on this conversation, but be sure to tune in for part two, which we've also released today. And in part two, we get into a lot of the nitty gritty details, like how does Recut actually approach production? And who are the customers? Who buys the products that come out of this Recut facility? And how does Recut approach costing and margins? And last but not least, what would it take to see more Recuts coming out of the apparel manufacturing world? 
Thank you for listening to Manufactured. To learn more about our guests and the issues we've chatted about today, sign up for our weekly newsletter on our website, www.manufacturedpodcast.com, or find us on Instagram at manufactured underscore podcast. We'd also love to hear your stories and what you think. Collecting with listeners is the most rewarding part of what we do, so please don't be shy. To be the first to find out about new episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you left us a review. Leaving a review helps other people find our show. And finally, if you'd like to support us financially, you can make a Patreon donation via our website homepage. Thanks for listening and see you next week.